Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 492 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's rainy. It's a weird, like, gross October day. It is. It is indeed. I feel like we have vacillated the past couple weeks between, like, majestic, beautiful, Midwestern, colorful fall and what we were having today, which I'm sure everyone else around like the Midwest is like, it's just been pouring rain every other day. It is for like two weeks. It's been like two weeks of rain, it feels like, which I'm not opposed to, but it's yeah, two it's, weeks of rain. It's fine. Uh, my, mom's think, my mom thinks it's her fault because she and I talked two weeks ago on the phone and she was like, you know, I feel like we never really focus on how great this fall has been. Like we all complain about either it's really hot or snow. And I was like, you're right, mom, it's been great. And then it's been raining ever since. I saw her last night and she's like, I think it might've been us. I think we might've been blamed. So don't think it works that way, but okay. I don't think it works that way either. Um, What are we doing today? So today is our monthly book picks episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So for those of you who are new to this, every month we um, each pick books that we are looking forward to in the upcoming month and talk about them. Um, We don't share our lists in advance, although there's one that sort of a given to be on both of our lists. Uh Um, I don't think there are any others. There are definitely a couple where I like came across them and did not put them on my list because I figured you would. So we'll see, but you don't have to um, write them down. They'll be in the show notes. Is there anything else? Um, nope. Yeah, that's everything. But I will say, because we get a lot of people that listen to this that might not listen to other episodes, which is totally fine. We get why you listen to this one because you're looking for only book recommendations. But I will say, um, if you usually just listen to this one, you want to listen to Monday's episode with Anne Helen Peterson, who yes. wrote this book called Can't Even. And it is incredible. And it was just a really great, very like timely conversation with the election coming up and everything. So, um, I know a lot of you will listen to that anyway, but we also we do get like a, a decent amount of people that just listen to this one because they want to get book picks. So, but highly recommend. And her book is out now, so you don't have to wait. But okay, so if users want to users, I'm thinking users. about Libby, I'm thinking about Libby and our our app. Um, if, like our normal jobs, yeah, <laughs> like our normal jobs, yeah, exactly. Uh, if listeners want to get a hold of, hold of us, you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com. There you can find all of our almost 500 episodes and you can search for specific authors or genres and listen to old episodes. Uh, You can also find the really fun book bingo things that Jill has made over the past months, especially the autumn one. I have to make a winter Uh, one, don't I? You do have have to to make make a winter winter one. one. This was a little bit of me also reminding you because you love making those and I'm not going to do it. Um, You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And definitely one other quick plug, Big Library Read starts next week. And we're doing a live event on November 10th with Ryan LaSala. And you can find the link to that at biglibrary.com. And I'm just going to tell you guys, 
you don't want to miss that it's gonna no. be so much fun um we are also doing a live event with Layla Saad in the middle of November which we'll have a link for soon and we also are doing a live event with Marie Benedict on December 3rd to celebrate Agatha Christie so you guys can join us in a bunch of live events. You can't see Jill's face, but we have so much to prepare for. Like I had this moment a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, we're, cause I was telling somebody about the, the live events. And I was like, yeah, we got all these like three before the end of the year. Nope. We have three before December 3rd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's three within the span of two, three weeks. That's like almost weekly, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's what that is. Um, Yeah, so the big library reader will be a ton of fun. We're going to take questions from people from our discussion board. Uh, We're also having a planning meeting with Ryan and Salad next week, I think, where we're going to brainstorm some fun things. Um, But Leila Saad is the author of Mean White Supremacy, and um, this is like her only library event that she's doing is with us. So we're going to do a Zoom, and we're going to take questions ahead of time from people, and we're going to just have a really good, you know, interesting conversation about a lot of stuff going on in the world. And then Marie Benedict, she's been on the podcast like I think every book. Times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about Agatha Christie. We don't have we don't know what we're gonna do yet for that, but it's gonna be fun. So it'll be a good time. Yeah. Um, I think those are all of the like plugs and updates. I think so. I think so. How many books did you pick? I believe I have eight and in- no, eight including the one that's a duplicate. Okay, I think I have nine or ten, but let's just do the first one. Go for it. You can talk about it first. I feel like there's no surprise. Anyone who has listened to this podcast and is aware of this book coming out is probably not at all surprised that we both have Ready Player Two mm-hmm. by Ernest Klein on our lists. Um, we both love Ready Player One. And there's a new one coming out. What? I, what? Did you read the like the description of the book? Yes. So you know when you when you love a book and then they do a sequel to it and they take a complete left turn away from what you loved about it and it's kind of disappointing. No, this super seems to be just like Ernest Klein was like, I know why you all love this. Right. I'm go- I'm going to provide you a whole bunch more references and there's going to be a quest. Yes. Uh, it reminds me, I play um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and like I've beat the game. I've like done all the shrines. I've done all the side quests, but it's one of those games where you can just like, if you have not played it, but if you have also like, you know, you get on your horse or, um, and you just like ride around the countryside of Hyrule. And I have put uh, close to 200 hours into the game i'm still discovering things it's so cool of this world like i came across a hot spring in the snowy region and there was just something else oh like this like bridge i came across this bridge i'm like i've never seen this bridge before <laughs> in my entire time of playing this game this is what ready player two makes me feel like like you have put all these hours into this game and into this world and then all of a sudden you find out there's like some side quest that you missed because you didn't talk to this like random, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. non-player character at some like random place in the game because you missed the time that he's there or something like that. <laughs> oh, is, is, and we'll get back to our books in a second, but it is that Zelda game, one of those games where it's like, I had a game, um, 
one of the old fable games the same thing where it was like in order to talk to this one specific person you have to go there on tuesday at 10 a.m in real time no it's not like that but there are there are side quests you can't unlock until you do a first side quest and like a lot of the game is actually there's like different parts where you can't do task b until you have done task a whatever that Mm. is um and yeah but but there are side quests where you know i'm this is a game where being a completionist is a bit of a challenge because you're (laughs) like well like you're there's like things you're looking for in particular little things and they're annoying so i don't worry about that but side quests i wanted to be a completionist and so being a nerd i had like in my bullet journal like a whole list of all of them (laughs) just crossing them off um and there are definitely times when i had to go find a very specific character in a very specific part um of not in real time but just in the game and yeah Mm -hmm. so i totally missed it if you don't like talk to them you're not gonna find out about the side quest so that's all yeah that's awesome so that's ready player two um so uh, yeah, my my first one that is in Ready Player Two uh, is Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho. Uh, Emmanuel Acho was a very successful, very talented um, professional football player for many, many years. And recently he started doing this video series of the same name, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And he would bring on people of all walks of life to have conversations with him. And they were just very frank, open, honest conversations. It was one of those situations where they knew they were in a safe place to have conversations with him and it was going to be judgment-free. So they could ask him questions that maybe white Americans are usually afraid to ask, but all Americans really need to know the answers to, especially now more than ever to have like, and it's just, the way that he did it was so like generous with his time and respectful and they touch on, you know, things like white privilege and cultural appropriation and reverse racism and, and all these things. But like he, the way he did it, he just like created this space for people to ask questions that was so compassionate and understanding. And so now it's being expanded into a book and it's just, you know, with, we've been talking all year seemingly about these really, really important, books about anti-racism and um, white supremacy and social justice and you know people who joined us earlier in the year for our social justice conversation know like we both feel very very strongly about this so I'm really excited this is being turned into a book just because I think even more people are going to see it so that's Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho. Uh, my next one is One Life by Regan oh my god one Life by Megan Rapino. Uh, she is, of course, the Olympic soccer player, um, World, Women's World Cup uh, champion. I love everything about her. Icon. <laughs> She's an icon. She is an icon, and um, she has a memoir coming out. Um, so I am super excited for that one. Yeah, she takes so much ass. I love she does. her. She's she does. So um my next one is called the 30 names of night by zan jokador um did you have this continue it's fine yeah i did yes <laughs> sorry no it no no it's so okay good. i know i'm aware continue it's okay <laughs> um so i'm okay we can both talk about this but 
I'm just going to read the description because there's so much going on in here. And I, I don't want to leave anything out from the description. I haven't read this yet, but I'm very excited too. So five years after a, after a suspicious fire killed his ornithologi ornithologist mother, a closeted Syrian-American trans boy sheds his birth name and searches for a new one. He has been unable to paint since his mother's ghost has begun to visit him each evening. And as his grandmother's sole caretaker, he spends his days cooped up in their apartment, avoiding his neighborhood, Majid, his estranged sister, and even his best friend, who also happens to be his longtime crush. Uh, the only thing he feels truly free, the only time he feels truly free is when he slips out into the night and paints murals on buildings in a once thriving Manhattan neighborhood known as Little Syria. And one night he enters the abandoned community home and finds a tattered journal of a Syrian American named Layla Z. She's an artist who dedicated her career to painting the birds of North America. She famously and mysteriously disappeared more than 60 years before, but her journal contains proof that both his mother and Layla Z encountered the same rare bird before their deaths. In fact, Layla Z's past is intimately tied to his mother's and his grandmother's in ways he could never have imagined. Even more surprisingly, Layla Z reveals stories, uh, reveals the histories of queer and transgendered people within his own community that he never knew. Realizing that he isn't and has never been alone, he has the courage to finally officially claim a new name, Nadir, an Arabic name meaning rare. It goes on from there. There's so much going on here, but it just sounds really, really powerful and amazing. And my God, is the cover gorgeous. The cover is gorgeous. It, yeah. is, it is a good cover. It is a yeah. good cover. I should have known we would have both had this one. All too. right. It's fine. Um, let's see. What do I want to talk about next? Okay. My next one, while well, we're talking about like paintings and stuff. Um, my next one is The Woman Who Stole Vermeer by Anthony M. Amor. So, Okay. On the podcast, I have frequently talked about my favorite book genre. What I have not talked about is my favorite movie genre, which is, <laughs> well, my favorite, I have like a favorite documentary genre, of course I do. And then I have a favorite, like, you know, like feature film, but I love heist movies. And oh, yeah. so, right. Who doesn't love heist movies? So um, the woman who stole Vermeer is the true story of um, <laughs> Eris Rose Dugdale, who in 1974 became the only woman to pull off a major art heist. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So heist and, you know, like that type of crime is almost exclusively male. Um, and then she comes along and decides she's gonna, you know, she's born dream wealth. She abandoned her life as an Oxford trained PhD in heiress. Um, to join the cause of Irish Republicanism, and yeah, she—that's—it's a heist. A, it's a true story. It's a true story. It is a true story. So, what's the name of that again? The woman who stole Vermeer. That sounds so good. That's what I'm saying. You're right. It's like heist. Like, yeah, it's a crime, and technically, the person who's committing the crime is the bad person. But it's like. I don't want to say it's a victimless crime because like you're robbing people the ability to see the culture and everything that that art represents but in real reality like no one's getting hurt no one's being injured and it's insane to hear like the elaborate way they pull it's the reason why all the oceans oceans movies are so fun the fun facts about the oceans movies <laughs> so obviously of course oceans i love the oceans movies i love oceans eight with the women mm -hmm. um I, uh, so Ocean's Eleven is obviously a remake of a Rat Pack movie from the 1950s with Frank Sinatra. 
and the rest of that group. Um, the ending of the original Ocean's Eleven is different. They don't get away with it because at the time they didn't want the criminals to like get away mm-hmm. with the crime. And so, so now, so now in the movies and when it comes to heist films, we champion the, the <laughs> burglar. Yeah. Like getting away with it. And, yeah. um, but you know, back there's a time where, um, there were like moral codes in the films. And so certain yeah. people couldn't get away with certain things. And that includes the original oceans 11. That is interesting. Fun fact, fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, okay, my next one is called Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Sorry, Kawaguchi. I'm cheating a little bit because this book is not new, but it uh, is new in the United States is what I it appears to be. It's definitely new on Libyan Overdrive, but it looks like when it came out in Asia, I think it's in China. Um, it's, in, it's, oh, it's based in Tokyo. Um, so it's Japan. I think it's been out for a while in Japan, but it's new to the States. Anyway, it sounds amazing. So that's why I'm interested in it. Um, so basically there is an underground cafe in the heart of Tokyo that's been serving uh, carefully brewed coffee for over a hundred years. And there's this local legend that says um, it's not just coffee that people will flock there for. And they also flock back for a chance to travel back in time. Um, but the rules are super specific. You have to sit in one particular seat. You can't venture outside of the cafe, nor can you change the present. And the most important thing is you only have the amount of time it drink it takes to drink a hot cup of coffee to spend in the past or the future, or you're stuck there forever. And so that's the premise. You have basically one cup of coffee's worth of time travel, which just seems really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then the story is told there's four customers that come to visit four different women um, and they are each seeking something else. So one of them is uh, like a heartbroken lover looking for closure. There's one uh, who was a nurse and she got this mysterious letter from her husband. And then there's a waitress who wants to say like one more goodbye. And then there's this mother whose child um, she never got a chance to know. And so like you kind of hear all their four different stories and how they intersect and how they're different. Um, but yeah, just like the concept of being like, you can time travel. And I feel like the, the core concept of time travel movies and books and stories mm-hmm. is always like you, anything you change will do like a whole butterfly effect situation. Or is this one, like the main thing is like, you get one cup of coffee's worth of time. Yeah. That was really interesting. So um, that's called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. My next one is The Best of Me by David Sedaris. I love me some David Sedaris. And mm-hmm. we now have basically a greatest hits of David Sedaris. I mean, what's That's not so to love bad. about a David Sedaris greatest hits? <laughs> um, so he selected them himself and has put together um, his favorite, his funniest and most memorable uh, essays from the past 25 years, which is it's a long time to be writing these things. Um, and I am, I am, I'm very excited. So fun story. When I was in college, I, my brother was going to grad school. We were both going to John Carroll University. And uh, I, we wrote the, like for a year, we wrote like the back page column of 
um, the school newspaper that came out like every other week. And it was basically like, they told us, you can write whatever you want. We, our last name is so cool. So that it was called Holy Pair of Socks because we're nerds. Um, and we would write, yeah, we would write essays, whatever we wanted to talk about. We talked about like how my, our mom loves to decorate the house with snowmen during Christmas or just whatever we want to talk about. And it all was based off of, I remember that I read When You Are Engulfed in Flames by David Sedaris and just being like, like being blown away that I was like, oh, you can just tell stories about your life. And as mm-hmm. long as you tell them well, mm-hmm. they're interesting. And so yes. we obviously had no even remote, like I don't even deserve to say our essays were in the style of David Sedaris because I would imply that they were even remotely okay. But yeah, I just remember reading that for the first time and like, holy shit, you could just tell your stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Holidays on Ice is one of my absolute favorite like the Santa Land Diaries is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I've said this before. I think I have only ever consumed David Sedaris books by audiobook Audio. because he usually narrates them himself. And so you get that like tone and inflection that he intended, which you sometimes miss um, if you're reading it on your own and kind of bringing your own, you know, whatever lens to the story. So I don't know if there is a third, but can you imagine being the third Sedaris? Like, can you imagine being like, yeah, my siblings are Amy and David Sedaris. I feel like there is though. I feel like, I feel like there are other siblings. I'm going to have to look this up because I'm super curious. Yeah. There are, there are several siblings who make up the Sedaris family. Oh, wow. Cause I think they get mentioned about, cause I think it's in me talk pretty one day. He talks oh, a lot right. about that's like his childhood one yeah. about growing up and all that stuff. Um, and he mentions Amy, but I remember him mentioning other siblings. I don't know what they do, but that's got to be like being one of the Murray brothers and being like, yeah, our great, like our, the greatest one of us is Bill Murray, but there's also Brian, uh, Brian Doyle Murray. And then there's the other, Mur- or like one of them, like Peyton and Eli Manning have, there's like another son. Yeah. Oof. Or like um, the, the Wilson actors, Owen and Luke Wilson. There's like a third one who occasionally yeah. shows up in their movies, but or you could do like the the Wayans family, but they are all actors and comedians, mm-hmm. and yeah, all of them are in everything. So, anyway, this was our trip down uh, famous family lane. Sorry, I was just thinking about that. That there's other ones. So, okay, there's a couple really interesting books coming out this month that are based in like Jewish folklore, and I'm very excited about them. So, the first one is called The Way Back by Gabrielle Savit, and this one is so this is a young adult mythology. We got a very sweet email or a very sweet review um, like a month ago from someone that like, I think they gave, like they gave us five stars or something. And it was like, I really love Adam and Jill and what they do. And this is amazing. And they're like, my one thing is they talk about a lot of young adult books and um, that's just not my cup of tea. And like, to their credit, they didn't like fault us for that. But it was also, I was like, I felt very seen. So like, that's me. That was, that was me. But I think this is the only young adult book that I, I reference. Anyway, if you want to review us, thank you. We, we appreciate it. Uh, so this was long listed for the National Book Award, and it is, it says it's for readers of Neil Gaiman and Philip Pullman, which is directly into my heart. So uh, for the Jews of Eastern Europe, demons are everywhere, dancing on the rooftops in the darkness of midnight, congregating in the trees, harrowing the dead, and even reaching out to try and steal away the living. The demons have a land of their own called the far country, where people with souls of the transient dead 
They're governed by demonic dukes, barons, and earls. And when the angel of death comes strolling through their little shtel of Tupic one night, two young people will be sent spinning on a journey through the far country. There they will make pacts with ancient demons, declare war on death himself, and maybe, just maybe, find a way back alive. I'm so yes. excited for this. This sounds delightful. Um, another really good cover. Cover. Um, my next one also has a delightful cover is The Harpy by Megan Hunter. Mm. <laughs> Spook y'all. Okay. So Lucy and Jake live in a house by a field where the sun burns like a ball of fire. Lucy has set her career aside in order to devote her life to the children, to their finely turned, uh, tuned routine, and to the ho- house itself. But then a man calls one afternoon with a shattering message. His wife has been having an affair with Lucy's husband, Jake. Revelation marks a turning point. Lucy and Jake decide to stay together, but make a special arrangement designed to even the score and save their marriage. She will hurt him three times. As the couple submit to a delicate game of crime and punishment, Lucy herself begins to change, surrendering to a transformation of both mind and body from which there is no return. Now, when I read this, and I think it was in uh, in like our actual shopping portal marketplace i mm-hmm. believe one of the bisec um listings was absurd like absurd fiction i was like i'm getting some major black swan movie like literally changing into a harpy with this which yeah. i am i am i'm all about i'm all about i can't talk about a person turning into a bird without thinking of the it's always sunny in philadelphia episode where d turns into an ostrich and it's a halloween story and it's if people know what I'm talking about, it's so absurd. She's dressed like a bird in the episode. And by the end of it, when they're retelling and rethinking all the things that happened, by the end of it, they just have an ostrich in the background. It's sure. supposed to be her. It's great. Um, do you have Miss Benson's Beetle on your list? I do not. Okay. All right. It felt like one that we might both enjoy. So um, my next one is Miss Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce. And this sounds really, really fun. It's these two, like extraordinary older women embark on a scientific expedition to the south seas so it's uh it's set in the 1950s and it originally starts in london after world war ii and uh, our main character's name is marjorie benson and she is uh described as a school teacher and spinster which i love uh she's just trying to get through life and she abandons her job because she just hates everything and doesn't like her kind of small existence and she sets off on this expedition to the other side of the world in search of this thing that she's always been obsessed with since she was a kid, which is this insect that may or may not exist called the golden beetle of New Caledonia. Um, and she like puts out an advertisement for an assistant. And the woman that ends up going with her uh, is this like fun-loving person named Enid. Uh, and she like wears tight-fitting pink suits and pom-poms and like they're just, they couldn't be more different, but they end up going on this adventure uh, across the world and across these oceans um, to discover something that might exist. And, you know, the kind of crux of the book is really their relationship of, as, of, as friends. And um, I was getting really big um, Lillian Box's Chase a Walk, like vibes from it, which is one of my favorite books ever. So uh, that's Miss Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce. The next one is The Children of Red Peak by Craig DeLuey. So David Young, Deacon Price, and Beth Harris live with a dark secret. As children, 
they survived a religious group's horrific last days at the isolated mountain Red Peak. Years later, the trauma of what they experienced never feels far behind. When a fellow survivor commits suicide, they finally reunite and share their stories. Long repressed memories surface define understanding and belief. Why did their families go down such a dark road? What really happened on that final night? The answers lie buried at Red Peak, but truth has a price and escaping a second time may demand the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, this is like an October book, right? That's spooky. That's postseason spooky. It's just, I mean, it sounds really good. It sounds really good. And there's something about kind of cults, I guess. Mm hmm. Jonestown type things. I don't know how you missed it, but that is the children of Red Peak. So good. Um, My next one is The Orchard by David Hopin. This is the other one that I was really excited about that is focused on uh, a Jewish family. So it is, our main character's name is Ari and Ari uh, lives in like ultra Orthodox Brooklyn. Um, And so he is, uh, for people who might not be familiar with like Orthodox Jewish people, they're like, the days are like, it's filled with intense study and like religious rituals. And um, it's a very, it can be a very lonely experience. Um, And his family announces that they're going to move to a Miami suburb, which couldn't be more different. Um, And Ari kind of takes this as an opportunity to reinvent himself. So he enrolls in this opulent, like Jewish academy and um, he is just like blown away by all of his new friends and peers, like their wealth and their ambition. And they're just like shameless pursuit of like life's pleasures and happiness. Um, and then the kind of the golden boy of the Academy takes Ari under his wing and he like finds himself entangled in this extremely exclusive and crazy group. Um, and it's just kind of like, almost like a coming of age tale, but um they also at the same time are dealing with the they're still religious and they interact with a rabbi and it's like it's just interesting it's like a coming of age tale of someone who they seem to believe devoutly in their religion but also want to explore their life slightly outside of it so really i'm really excited about this one that's called the orchard by david hopen i have one more book left um, and that is what we don't talk about when we talk about fat by Aubrey Gordon. So anyone who listens to this podcast, I know there are a couple of you who follow me on my personal accounts, social stuff, um, knows that I talk very often about um, positive fat and fat activism and Aubrey Gordon, um, a lot of that and like a lot of what I have read and studied and learned comes from Aubrey um, who is the creator of the Your Fat Friend account. She has like ton, I mean like major influencer on um, Twitter and Instagram. And she writes some very, very thought provoking pieces on medium, mostly on medium essays. Um, The one just like about being a fat person in the world and like navigating the world and what that's like. And so for her, um, this is sort of part memoir from my understanding and sort of part just sort of exploring the systematic and cultural bias against fat people. And she talks about how, you know, she doesn't necessarily subscribe to the idea of potty positivity. She comes to this looking for social 
change and social justice. So um, if you have not read any of her essays, I highly recommend them. And I'm, I'm so excited for this book. She announced it, I think just a couple, like she just like dropped it. Like, oh, hey, I have a book coming out next month. And I'm like, what is happening? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm very, very excited for this one. This I also pre-ordered for sure. I was like, yes, please. Take it's my funny, money. It's not easy to do that with books because you have to print them and do all that stuff. Like people do that all the time with albums. Like you just wake up on a Friday and be like, Beyonce had a new album come out because it's all digital. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's when books sneak up. That's interesting. I feel like she maybe had talked about um, that she was writing one. I don't remember. She may have sort of like talked around it kind of um, on some of her social feeds, but then just... V- I, I swear within the last couple, of course, time has no meaning anymore, but mm. maybe within the last two months, she showed the cover and that it was available for pre-order. And then when I was, you know, scrolling through looking for books, I was like, oh, it's already coming out. And I think that's also part of it is that you and I like know a book about books so far in advance mm. that it may be a little different for us. <laughs> that's fair. Get, yeah. I mean, like I, I read arcs like a year in advance and then I'm like, going through for one of these monthly picks and I was like wait this isn't out yet <laughs> why do I know about this book oh right I read it last I read it January. a year ago yeah there have definitely been times where I'm like I'm pretty sure I read this book and I've had to go through my excel spreadsheet and it is it's like from like a year and a half ago that mm-hmm. I read it so I'm literally looking right now like the stack of books that I'm using to hold up my computer the one at the very top the it's a arc and it says on sale may 2021 and it's like yeah oh. that's yes um okay the last one i'm gonna talk about is called magic a history by chris gosden and it is the subtitle is from alchemy to witchcraft from the ice age to the present and i really like the idea of this book so he is an oxford professor uh, of uh, archaeology this is nonfiction, i should say and he explores the very unique history of magic. So um, there's like since the beginning of written down, uh, you know, stories and words and written language, there's been really three great like strands of belief that have run through human history. One is religion. Um, it's a relationship with, you know, one or many gods or, you know, kind of masters of the universe, lives, everything like that. Um there's also science, which distances us like, from the world, like turning us into observers and collectors of knowledge. But then like there's this third one, which is really like magic. It's like direct human participation in the universe. It's how we can influence the world around us and how the world has influenced us. And so, it, you know, over the last few centuries, magic, he thinks, has taken on like a bad reputation thanks to various things. But he kind of wants to like restore like, okay, here's at its base level what we what magic actually is when we think about it and what it was intended to be. And it's just it, he goes from like curses and charms of ancient Greek and Roman and like Jewish magic to shamanistic thing like traditions to indigenous um, Native Americans and in Africa. Like this thing is like so globally spanning and um, it's based off literally like decades of his own research. so. It's really interesting. Uh, it's something where I've been talking about magic books a lot lately. And this one is like at its mm-hmm. core, a yeah. history of it. I saw so that. Yeah. yeah. Another really cool cover. So, um, okay. That's everything. Um, as a reminder, as we said from the beginning of the episode, 
definitely check out Big Library Reads starting on Monday um, with uh, Reverie by Ryan Lasala. It's such a great book. Go to biglibrary.com for that. Definitely don't miss our episode on Monday with Anne Helen Peterson. I think it's really poignant and it's a nice like prep for all of us in America for uh, for Tuesday yeah. for the election. Uh, that would be a very stressful day. And um, yeah, sign up for our event with Ryan and we'll have links to the Layla Saad and Reba and Iqman for you soon. Anything yep. else you can think of? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.